morning. Well, that was actually a very good response. Thank you. Uh, I, I have a cold right now, so if I kind of space out randomly throughout this, that's what's happening. Um, but thank you for the good morning. That's going to that's gonna keep me uh, going for a little while. Uh, those of you who know me know that I'm actually uh, from a fairly small town just outside of St. John's. Uh, it's not a tiny town, but it's much smaller than lots of towns that are around and probably lots of towns that you guys are from. And one of the things I found really interesting since I've, you know, gone back to my hometown every little once in a while just to visit people there, people don't actually recognize that I'm not the 17-year-old guy who left. It's, it's really funny because you, you run into these people at the shopping center or you run into them at the, at the coffee shop and, you know, they, they start talking to you and, you, you know, you don't recognize them from the beginning. But after a few minutes, you recognize that, oh, yeah, you're the guy who stuffed me in lockers in high school. Great. But the funniest thing is they start talking to you as if, well, no, no, no time has passed. And I mean, there's, there's good friends where, you know, like you meet them and no time has passed in a good way. You know, you can get to know them and talk to them in, 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 uh, after a while. But these, these guys actually think that I'm the same man who left 23 years ago. Don't do the math in your head, please. That makes me feel old. But just think about it. People who want to actually re react to me, deal with me, as if I'm the same person I was decades ago. As if nothing fundamental has changed between high school and, well, the 21st century. Because I graduated the last century. Nothing fundamental, apparently, in their thinking has changed in my life. So they, 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 they talk to me as if I, you know, am the same guy who uh, was very quiet in high school, who couldn't uh, speak in public if you paid him. They talk to me as if I'm a person who, you know, has the same level of education. And it's the funniest thing because in some ways, some people are like that. They haven't changed. But it's always dangerous to assume that when something fundamental changes, that when a relationship has changed, that you can actually then continue relating in the same way. And that's kind of the problem that Paul is dealing with here in the third chapter of Philippians. You see, what had happened is a very fundamental change in the world when Jesus was resurrected. The old things have passed away and the new things have come. Jesus changed the relationship that humanity has with God. And yet the problem is, some people who had, you know, had a good relationship with God before learning about Jesus and then now have learned about Jesus, want to, want to try and make it so that the, the way that they relate to Jesus, to God now, is going to be the same as it was before that nothing will have changed from the old covenant into the new covenant. That we're going to relate to God in exactly the same way. And as, Paul, as the Apostle Paul starts into this last little section, well, this last large section, dealing with the final thing that he wants the people in Philippi to remember, he writes, Finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you is no trouble to me, and it is safe for you. 
Look out for dogs. Look out for the evildoers. Look out for those who mutilate the flesh. Now, that, that's pretty harsh language. What kind of people is he talking to? For we are the circumcision who worship by the Spirit of God and glory in, Jesus, in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. Now, if you're just going to read the reverse there, obviously the people that he's talking to are people who actually do place confidence in the flesh. They're people who have started to place confidence in the circumcision. Now, in case you didn't know what a circumcision is, it's the most important part of being part of the covenant community in the Old Testament. You'll run into it a couple of times, like when Moses is traveling back to Egypt to tell, uh, to tell Pharaoh, let my people go. You know, you saw the Ten Commandments. You know. that, when he's traveling back, on the way back, it looks like God's going to kill him. And the reason is, he isn't circumcised. So he isn't in covenant with God. When the people of Israel, a little bit later on, are uh, coming back into the promised land after their decades and centuries of slavery in Egypt, the day before they cross the, cross the Jordan into Israel, they get circumcised because they need to be in right relationship with God. And the way you get to right relationship with God is in the Old Covenant to follow the laws of God and to actually have in, your, in yourself a sign of that. But that's not the situation we have now as Christians because uh, we don't actually need to be part of this Old Covenant. Yet there are people in this, in this time who think the Old Covenant still holds true on the New Covenant, that the same way we relate to God in the Old Testament is going to be exactly the same way we relate to the God in the New Testament, that uh, the signs of our faith are going to be exactly the same, and it's not true. Though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also. You see, what had happened is they had begun to have confidence in the signs of the, of, the, of the covenant, not in the covenant itself. They decided that because they were circumcised, because they had followed the rules, they were somehow better in the sight of God. They have reason to boast. And Paul, responding to them, says, I have more reason to boast. Verse 4, though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also. If anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. So what's happening here? Some people are using these things, the things that were signs of the Old Covenant, that were the signs of unity with God in the Old Testament, are saying, we as Christians need to be like the Old Testament and follow these rules. And Paul's saying, yeah, yeah, I have reason to boast in those things too. I've got all those things too. But as he says, but whatever I gain I had, I count it as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I might gain Christ and be found in him. Not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but one that comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. Now, I, I'm guessing that we're a good church that's, you know, had a lot of expressions of the gospel before, but I'm, I'm just going to have to go through it again just so that we all 
recognize what's going on here. We as Christians believe that we are saved by Jesus Christ alone. His death on the cross took the sin, the punishment for the sin that we deserve, the punishment we deserve, and put it on him. And that the righteousness of Christ, he lived a righteous life in our stead. The righteousness of Christ is instead placed on us. So our sin gets placed on Christ. Christ's righteousness gets placed on us. And all of that happens through faith, through a trust in Christ. Our righteousness is literally through Christ. Our relationship to God is different. You see, the Old Testament does have a lot of interesting rules about, you know, how big temples have to be and what, what kinds of things you have to eat and where the, what kinds of things you can weave together with, your, with other parts of your clothing. But those things were signs of something greater. They were designed to be signs of our union with Christ through Christ's righteousness and Christ's righteousness alone. And these super apostles, these other people who Paul is fighting against here, actually believed that those Old Testament laws were simply to be continued into the New Testament, that the exact same situation was to be continued, both cases. That the, and then they start placing their faith in the signs. And I don't know if you have ever seen this happen in churches, where we place faith in signs of our covenant and our relationship with God instead of in God himself. You know, uh, churches that would say, I didn't see you in church for the last three weeks, so you must obviously be a, a heathen sinner. Uh, churches where, you know, if you, uh, I don't know, the, some of the interesting ones have been smoke cigarettes or drink alcohol or anything like that, you obviously can't have been saved. That uh, signs of, the signs of our relationship with God become the things that they have the trust in. I am a good, solid Christian because I'm standing in front of you uh, and t teaching you from the Bible. So I, obviously I can trust in my ability to preach from the gospel. Yet Paul's point is something completely different. We need to be trusting in Jesus Christ. The things of the flesh, the things that are signs of our relationship with God, are just that. They're signs. The important part is the central faith in Jesus. We can't imagine that because we uh, have all of the signs that we necessarily have the fundamental thing. Nor can we go so far as to say that we need to tell other people that if they don't have certain signs of Christianity that they're not actually Christians. Now, I, uh, there is a proviso here. We'll, we'll get to it in a second. But first of all, we wanna, I want to hammer home the simple point. We are not saved by works of the law. We're saved by faith in Jesus Christ. All of the things that we could do that are nice and good are okay insofar as they get us to Christ. The important part, though, is Christ. Now, I have to say, there's, there's a very simple problem that lots of people fall into right here. Just a pretty simple problem. People will say, well, if all of the laws and things are no longer important, if all of these things of the Old Covenant are not necessary, then, well, we can live completely free lives. We can be 
do whatever we want. We can live in it whatever way we want. And we can pretend that we can live as if we can have faith in Christ and live as if Christ never died for our sins, as if Christ is completely valueless. That would be missing the point here too. You see, Paul counts all things lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus his Lord. And for his sake, he suffered loss of the things and counted them in rubbish. He wants to be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but one that comes from, through faith in Christ. The righteousness from God that, comes, that depends on faith. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection. I may share in his suffering, becoming like him in his death. That by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection of the dead. There is something to be striving for in the Christian life. We are striving for something. We are living in a different way. But it's a different kind of situation. It's a different relationship with, with God than in the Old Testament. Where in the Old Testament, to be with God, you had to you know, be circumcised. You had to be part of the people of Israel. In the, new in the New Covenant, it's all based on one very simple relationship. Our faith in Jesus Christ. That faith does have implications, though. Continuing on, uh, verse 12. Not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own. Because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining toward what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. That doesn't sound like somebody who, who just allows Christian faith to kind of just happen in his life. It doesn't sound like somebody who ignores everything that Christ says. Instead, it's somebody who's striving after Christ, desiring to follow Christ above all things instead of following works of the law. You see, there are two very easy problems that we fall into as Christians and honestly as humans generally the first one the one that I talked about before is to trust in outward appearances to trust in our abilities to you know see and do things properly the ability to trust that uh, because I've got uh, I look good because I have uh, intelligence because I've read my Bible because I have a nice car and a nice house, that obviously I'm a good person. That because I have the things that uh, are goods, have been considered good signs of goodness before me, that I'm good. And I'm not going to say it's a bad thing to have those things. It's not bad here in the church that many of you are here every week. It's not bad that we seek after, uh, that we, you know, read our Bibles every day. It, those are good things. But the problem comes in when we imagine that because we read our Bibles, that because we've come to church every week, that because we've done all the right things, that our relationship with God is fine. And then to start judging other people's relationship with God based on the things that have been good in our lives. And then start demanding that they fill our, fulfill roles that 
we would like them to have. I remember uh, when I was fixing in the library uh, out there, we found a few little tracts from a guy named Jack Chick. Now, uh, Jack Chick has a very, uh, I, I don't recommend him honestly, but he has this very interesting habit. Whenever somebody becomes a Christian in a Jack Chick tract, no matter what, how he dressed before, no matter what culture he was from before, he always starts to wear a suit and tie. Every single time. It's as if wearing a suit and tie is the, sign, the outward sign of the inward faith. That, you know, if you wear a suit and tie, obviously you're a good Christian boy now. And they always have their hair done properly and quaffed per, uh, perfectly. And all of that, those kinds of things for Jack Chick seem to be signs of being a good Christian. Now, those are easy things to get mad at, but I mean, the, 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 we have those things here sometimes too. How often do we uh, check other people's Christianity based on how much Bible they know? How well they can quote specific texts? Do we actually, now it's good to be able to know your Bible, it's good to quote specific texts. Heck, it's good to wear a suit and tie and be perfectly quaffed in your hair. But those aren't the things that save you. We shouldn't have trust in the flesh. We have to be careful to make sure that our trust isn't in outward signs. But there is the other opposite error. And an error that Paul seems to know fairly clearly. To imagine that because we don't have to have these outward, that these outward signs aren't the things that we should have trust in, that, well, we should never have any outward signs at all. That because uh, I'm a Christian and because I'm saved by faith in Jesus Christ, I can go outside and cheat, lie, steal, heck, maybe even murder. And it's all, it's all fine because I'm saved by faith. But that's not the kind of faith that Paul is talking about. The faith that Paul is talking about is a faith that strives after Jesus Christ, that seeks after Jesus Christ, that has a thirst for divine things. A desire to see Christ reflected in our own lives, however that looks. Not a desire to have specific physical things that they would do, but to have, to have a sense of Christ about you. To, when you deal with other people, to have people think of you as, well, a good, a good symbol of Christ. To have people think of you, well, there's something different about that guy because... Well, because Christ just worked through him, through you. The final thing, sorry. We need to actually, instead of fo uh, focusing on our life in terms of things that are on the outside, we need to focus on things that are in the inside. Now, those things on the inside will have results. Uh, Martin Luther is famous for saying, uh, faith, uh, faith that saves is, you are saved by faith alone, but faith does not ever remain alone. If you have a saving faith, you will look different. Things will be different with you. But the problem is not going to be the outward signs. And of course, this runs to other problems too. We, 
sometimes end up uh, believing that because the uh, we outward signs are good signs of an inward faith that well if we do the outward signs that somehow we will have the inward faith that's just not true we may actually live lives that look like Christians because we're Christians because we love Jesus or we may live lives that, uh, as Christians because well we've we followed all the laws properly but what Paul is saying is that we need to be actually thinking about Jesus as central Jesus has to be the reason that we do our th do things Jesus has to be the center of our faith he has to be the object of our faith we need to forget all that is past we need to strive for what lies ahead seeking after Christ and him alone Lord God, thank you that despite uh, cold, you actually kept me semi-coherent. I pray now that by your Holy Spirit, you will help a better sermon to have been heard than one that was actually preached. We pray that right now we would learn to love you better, that we would place our faith in you. Lord God, help us not to trust in simple outward appearances, Help us not to trust in the things that make people look at us like we're Christians. Help us to actually be Christians, people who are marked by your name, marked as in Christ. As we pray in Jesus' name.